Hello there. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I am the hopes for Birth Moms Real Talk podcast. This is a platform for birth or natural mothers to share about their journeys, to share about their stories. We cover the hot topics, the things where no one else will talk about or go there. We cover the truth. We cover grace and healing. This is a place where birth moms and natural mothers can share their journeys. We are not therapists. We do not give advice. So get your therapist. We listen and we allow birth moms and natural moms to share their story. Listen in. Good day, everyone. This is D. Yvonne Rivers. I'm your host for Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast, a platform where birth mothers share their story, they share their journey, and we talk about hot topics. We allow you to put your ear near the window and listen in about things that most people are not talking about. So I'm happy to have as my guest today, Catherine. Welcome, Catherine. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you, Yvonne. It's so wonderful to be here with you and to talk about this this subject that I kept secret for most of my life. Wow. And haven't we all in some part or whatever? And, and that's really the reason of this platform, Catherine, is that we were, I like to say, we're uncovering the secrets and we're really sharing because really our sharing is really our healing and our grace. Absolutely. So start with your journey, sort of go back to maybe what area of the country you grew up and how was it growing up, leading up to you becoming that mom. Okay. Um, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was the third of three children in three years. Mm. So uh, my parents were Catholic. My mom, very strict. Um, you know, they used rhythm as birth control, hence they had three kids in three years. You know, when you said three kids in three years, I said, okay, yeah. something behind that, right, okay? Right, right, and Okay. So, and, my, and, my, and I was the youngest of those three, and my sister, 18 months older than me, was colicky and never okay. slept for the first couple of years of her life. So mm. you can imagine how welcome mm. I was when, mm. I, <laughs> when wow. I came along. Wow. And then my parents had two more after me, so okay. my parents were... The reason I bring that up is um, they were very strict, and they had too many kids. Mm. Um, the, this was post-war when all the neighborhoods were being built and developed, and, and uh, uh, the Catholic uh, Church had a lot to do with shaping the culture around um, my parents, I believe. Okay. I went to Catholic school, Catholic grade school for eight years, and um, was, I say, indoctrinated by the mm. nuns. And by the way, I a lot of people have bad things to say about the nuns, but I don't. I love okay. the nuns. Okay. And, but I, you know, I'm a rule follower, so. <laughs> okay, you know, because I was going to ask you, why do you do like them? So was it the, the, uh, the, the rules or rigid or structure? Well, I like their outfits. Okay. <laughs> 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 you know, some they, the black and white, the habits, is that what it's called, right? I the like habits? The, yes. I like okay. their veils. You know, okay. their veils were gorgeous and, and their, their skirts went to the to the ground and the yeah. only thing you could see was their bare hands and their right. um, face. You yeah. couldn't see their neck or anything. And it right. was very mysterious yeah. to me. Okay. But okay. um so I wanted to be a nun because oh, I Oh, did you? Those, okay. I, yeah, I wanted one of those veils. I thought okay. it was so, you was know. Is that your only reason, Catherine? You just wanted one <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. veils? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> and in fact, I used to put a sheet on my head and go around the house. <laughs> oh wow! And if you had a sheet around, I could be like a ghost. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. But so I was a, a like I said a rule follower, and I tried to um, make my way, mm-hmm. um, trying to stay out of the way at home because I was always in the way. There were too many of us, like I mm-hmm. said, and. Now, when you and, say uh, in the way, I mean, really, I, I know you said it was five kids, so there's seven people in the house. What? Yes. <laughs> and one tiny bathroom. Okay. And okay. my father was an accountant. He was okay. very um, uptight. He, he didn't like kids. He, um, he was a good man. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he worked every day. He didn't drink. He didn't carouse. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, he was uh, an introvert to the nth degree. And my mother was the opposite. She was very gregarious and sociable and et cetera. But they had strict rules, and we did our best to um, not cause any commotion, of which there was a lot naturally happening. Right. <laughs> Just by the yeah. fact that we were bumping into things and yeah. knocking over milk and so on. Uh-huh. But um, I, uh, I think I, I blame my self-esteem problems on the fact that there were too many of us and mm-hmm. instead of hearing of course it was the times too parents didn't say i love you right and there was right. no such thing as unconditional love yeah you know yeah. you misbehave and you're out of here basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so i uh when i met my boyfriend i was a, a junior in high school mm-hmm. and um he and I were each other's first love. Okay. Um, we went together for a couple of years. Um, we ended up, of course, having sex, and mm-hmm. I suffered terribly with guilt over that because I was impure. Now I wasn't mm-hmm. a virgin, and virginity was everything to mm-hmm. my mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I found out I was pregnant, I just wanted to die. Wow. And it was. It was not so much about having a baby as it mm-hmm. was about the fact that my mother would know that I had had sex. Wow. And now, you mentioned prior to Forrest in having low self-esteem. So, obviously, mm-hmm. that was prevalent even before you got pregnant, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, okay. yeah, when my boyfriend asked me to dance at this high school dance, I was just thrilled because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I felt like I felt like I was ugly, mm. like I was too fat, mm. like um, I was never going to be charming enough for a boy to like me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, I was starving for affection. Really. Right, right. I was well, back starving. to back to Catherine. You said that for his never hearing "I love you." Well, see, I relate to you. Know you heard my story. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I relate to that, and I think. I think most or a lot of the birth mom, we as birth moms, will have that coming up yeah. that we don't we don't get that love. So a part of it is maybe starving for it or looking for it. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I um, got pregnant, uh, we, my boyfriend and I, sat down with my parents and made the admission. I was mm. going to say announcement, but it wasn't like that. It okay. Was, it was quite, uh, it, uh, what can I say? It was extremely, extremely uncomfortable. It was hard. And say the word. It was hard. It was, oh, it was so it was hard. hard. And my parents pretty much 
you know, it was a lot of drama. My mm -hmm. father jumped up and grabbed my boyfriend and said, I ought to flatten you. And my mother jumped up and, and she started screaming, everybody sit down. And I was just sitting there on the mm -hmm. couch watching all this. Mm -hmm. And um, I couldn't believe that my father was angry with my boyfriend. I thought that I was going to be the one that mm. was going to Yeah, I was. So that shocked. surprised you, huh? Oh, totally. Wow. <laughs> totally. Wow. I was sitting there with my mouth open like I can't believe what's happening here. Wow. So you expect you expected your your dad to affront you. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, I was yeah, I was so ashamed and so guilty. Mhm. Mm so guilty. Mhm. Mm so um we also met with his parents and his father was he was kind of from the other side of town you know we were white blue-eyed mm -hmm. um, uh, white bread Americans and mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't know anybody you know we lived in the suburbs I didn't know anybody who wasn't like us mm -hmm. I didn't know uh, any anybody who had an accent I didn't know anybody of color mm -hmm. um, and I, I was just very it was a very insular life where so when you said from the other side of the tracks, that means mm -hmm. what? Because um, that can mean many things. <laughs> sure, okay. He is um, Italian, Greek, uh, um, yeah, Italian, Italian and Greek heritage. Okay. And okay. His, I believe his grandmother came from, quote unquote, the old country. Okay. And she, she did have an accent, and, mm -hmm. and it was a little hard to understand her. Which mm -hmm. now, in my life, you know, I'm old now, but now I love people's accents. <laughs> I love, you know, if somebody has an accent, I want to know all about them. Right, Where does it come right. From? What is it like there, yeah. et cetera. But my parents taught us that people who were different mm -hmm. were to be avoided. Ah, so as you said, you had not been exposed. You were insulated around that before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so his so his parents were um, Greek and Italian, of course American. They mm -hmm. didn't have accents at all. Um, they lived closer to the city. We were out in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. His father owned a tavern, and you know horrors of all horrors. <laughs> he, mm. would have, he would have a bar, mm. and um, uh, that's so the. Um, in the book is called Gavin. Gavin's mother, I don't use his real name, Gavin's mm -hmm. mother um, and father worked at the bar. That's, that was their livelihood. Okay. Um, and so there were three boys in his family. He was the oldest and he was very, very bright. And um, he was in school at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And he just had this thing. I never really did understand it, but he had this thing about Notre Dame and he wanted to graduate from Notre Dame. And that was his reason for not getting married. He said, I have to finish school. Mm. And my mother said, so what? You know, just transfer to Pitt, which is University of Pittsburgh, and, mm -hmm. and go to school here. And he said, I can't do that. I want to graduate from Notre Dame. Mm. So uh, they told him to get out and don't ever come back. And, wow. you know, I'm sitting there like I'm trying to be good and trying mm -hmm. to, you know, do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm horribly ashamed. And, and so, then were you in school? Like you were in yeah, high school? I was, no, I was in nursing school. You were in nursing school? Okay, so you'd finished mm -hmm. high school. Okay. Yes, I okay. was through almost through 
I think this was in April or May, so I was almost finished with my first year of nursing school. Okay. And it wasn't a college program, it was okay. an RN program, but okay. back then, um, most of the RNs came out of hospital-based programs, so right, it was a, right. a three-year um, training. Right. And, um, so anyway, I, was, I had one year behind me, or almost behind me, and um, yet I was still very much a, a, a young person, you know, still mm -hmm. insulated from life. I didn't know anything about life, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so my mother um, has a cousin who uh, is a priest, and she arranged this meeting. His name is Father Edward. Uh, where we would all sit down together, not Gavin, but my, my parents and me, mm -hmm. and come up with a solution, quote-unquote right. solution. Right. So, of course, this was before abortion was legal and right. uh, was before birth control pills were legal. Back right. then, yeah. um, unmarried women were not allowed, not permitted legally to take birth control. Mm -hmm. that, and, that's reality, yes. Uh, 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 mm -hmm. So... Um, oh my goodness, uh, where was I? So you had the meeting with, um, Father, um, Oh yeah, so, yeah, so Father Ed said there's, a uh, Home for Unwed Mothers, it's called uh -huh. Rosalia, and, uh, you know, there were so many of us at that time, girls who became pregnant and had to hide, uh -huh. um, that these, these homes for unwed mothers were everywhere and they were full, uh -huh. and, um, so I went away. I couldn't go into Rosalia until I was seven months. So oh. I had to hide out somewhere um, from like five months to seven months. So I made up a story and um, I dropped out of nursing school and I made up a story and um, I found a chemistry teacher from high school who had moved to Ohio and I, I went and stayed with her okay. for, the, for the six weeks. Um, and then came back and went into Rosalia, and no, nobody knew. My sister, um, who's Kareen in the book, she didn't even know, and she's the one who's 18 months older than me. Okay, okay. Uh, well, let me ask you, Catherine, yeah, yeah. when you had the, um, the meeting with the father and discussing mm -hmm. that you had to hide away or whatever, and that that name, that, that, that terminology, hide away, because I've heard that in a lot of the different stories, that if the if the mom stayed at home, it's like when people came to the house, it's the attic or the basement, where you asked what you wanted. Yes. Okay. Father Father Edward said to me, he didn't say what do you want, but mm -hmm. he said, um, do you want to keep the baby? Okay. And uh, I so there we are. My parents are next to me. We're in this office. The door is closed. And I said, well, I don't know how I can take care of a baby mm -hmm. on my own. Mm -hmm. My parents could have mm -hmm. said, oh, we'll help you or, mm -hmm. you know, come up with a plan or anything. Right. And I didn't want to say to them, mm -hmm. will you help me? Because right. Because I knew they wouldn't and they would have to say out loud in front mm -hmm. of my cousin, no, we won't help you. And I didn't want to put them in that embarrassing position. Wow. So I said, I don't, I don't know how I can take care of a baby on my own. I didn't even have a driver's license. Right, right, and, right. And nobody said anything. 
And I said, so I guess not. And Okay, um, okay. So it was silence from them when you said that uh, you would need help. That's right. Yeah, okay, okay. And so he said, well, there's a place um, uh, that Catholic Charities, um, I don't know if he said the word runs, but it's it's supported by Catholic Charities. Mm -hmm. It's called Mm -hmm. Rosalia, and they take unwed mothers, and you can stay there and have the baby, and it can be all um, secret. Okay. And, uh, and, and my mother just said, yeah, how do we do that? When does, okay. it, when okay. does it happen? <laughs> wow, so, wow. Yeah. Now, what about that period of time, as you said, that, that from five months to seven months that you went away? You made all those arrangements yourself to go and spend time with your former chemistry teacher? That's right, I did. I, okay. I, um, did your parents know where you were then? Yes, they did. Okay. Yes. Okay. I uh, I told I called her and you know I found her phone number somehow, and I called her and um, it was interesting because when I went to stay with her, she was divorced and had two um, teenage kids, young teens, mm-hmm. um, and I think one was a preteen, and um, I had babysat for her when she was oh, okay. in Pittsburgh and was my chemistry teacher. Okay. But she was so accepting. Uh-huh. And um, it, she said, you don't need to worry about anything. That wow. she told the kids what was going on, and mm-hmm. that was that. Nobody talked to me about it, and I didn't have to hide when I was there. Right, and right. She was your angel, Catherine. Well, sort of. And I say, I say that because you remember <laughs> my story. I had an angel who was my yeah. mentor, my doctor, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for okay. sure, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Th- this woman... Um, I'm very grateful to her for mm-hmm. helping me out. I don't know what I would have done otherwise. Right, right. Um, but she, I think that she, um, it was kind of a mutual help thing. Okay. Um, she, she benefited as much as I did because right. she, she was hardly ever home, and that way I was there with her kids. Okay, you were helping her in the house and babysitting all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. okay, right. Okay, I, I, okay. I did the housework, mm-hmm. and... Uh, um, you know, I was there when she was not, which, like I said, was most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was a single woman, and she—I don't know what all she did. She, you know, I never asked her, but right. she was yeah. gone most of the time. Right, and, right. Um, yeah. So, and I—I I didn't have a bedroom of my own or anything like mm-hmm. that. And okay. And uh, you know, she had a couple of cats that would attack me all the time. And, <sighs> scratch me and and I had to take care of their kitty litter and uh, you know it would make me want to throw up oh so my bad. goodness so it wasn't like, it what you know it wasn't a wonderful time of my yeah, life yeah <laughs> yeah and see that's the thing about it is that on the surface it looks like oh wow I got a place mm-hmm. to stay and do this whatever but in the end rows ah you know uh-huh. and that's yeah. reality you know your face for is whatever it is and what you go through so once you went into the unwed mom's homes, that was at the seven months. So you were there until you gave birth. Yes, I was. Okay. I went in November first, and um, my due date was January third. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there over the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And did you get Christmas, any visitors? I was just going to say at Christmas time, most of the girls left. And um, I did not because okay. even though my parents lived 20 minutes away, mm-hmm. um, 
and they would gather for you know Christmas dinner and everything. I was not there. I was okay. you know, I was secret, so I was just there. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and so, I, I pause not not to give even more angst to you, but I emphasize emphasize that to our listeners because as you're hearing, and I wanted to sink in. You're in a home, unwed mom's home, basically by yourself and whatever. Yeah. And here it is a holiday, and I, I ask, and a lot, a lot of times, what questions I ask because my experience of, you know, I didn't get visitors when I was in the hospital and whatever. That's 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 big, and that's the deep, for is not having um, <laughs> love, <laughs> back yeah. again to in a time of your, of your lowest lowest moment of when you need the people around you, and I say that and I'm speaking for myself when mm-hmm. I say that. I really you know do. what though? It just. Um, uh, my self-esteem was so low mm-hmm. that I felt like I deserved it. Mm. You know, I had quote unquote gotten into trouble. Mm. I was a slut. I was, mm. you know, I had um, not followed the rules, and now look where I was, mm-hmm. and I deserved it. And, I, I uh, heard you mention before, "good girl," and I've heard that's a prevalent statement. You know mm. that, that it, the comment you just said for is you felt as if. That your dad would come after you of, and your mom will just recognize you've been having sex. So that just puts you in a whole new scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. I, you know, everything that happened to me, um, I didn't know until I began to recover from all of this, which was very late in life. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that this was... This was not my fault, and this mm-hmm. and I and I. Uh, what happened was rather natural, and that mm-hmm. I didn't have education in um, natural urges and what to do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was kind of like a lost soul, which I think we all are. Yes, all of us unwed mothers. Yeah, <laughs> and are. other people, other than unwed mothers too. I emphasize that. You know, we we were moms of, of, of children without being married in that in society in that time put us in a category where there was many other things that other people did is like, Well, you didn't look at that. Yeah, I mean that's me. <laughs> that I know. Look, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. I that. agree. Yeah. yeah. So how was the birth experience for as you stayed there that through you're going through labor and going to the hospital? Mm-hmm. You wanna talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um for some reason, I was three weeks overdue. Okay. And I, you know, all the women that were, the girls that were there when I went into Rosalia had already come and gone. Mm. I was the last one standing, basically. Okay. Um, I, I thought that I was never going to have the baby. Mm. And, um, they just said the baby will be born when it's ready. Mm. And... Uh, the baby, I, my contractions started finally. My water did not break. My contractions started um, weekly, let's say. And mm-hmm. um, uh, finally, you know, they said, okay, you know, we'll take you to the hospital. But nobody was excited about how far along I was. Mm. So I went into the hospital, and of course, I was alone in the room because. I was hidden, you know, you couldn't, mm-hmm. I don't think my name was even on my wristband. I think right. there was some ID right. number or something like that. Yeah. And the staff was not permitted to come in and out at will. They were 
you know, I had uh, one nurse per shift. Nobody else was allowed in. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, no visitors. Mm -hmm. And my labor went on for 40 hours. Wow. I was there, you know, by myself in the mm -hmm. room night and day. And, and um, again, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was not a nice thing. I didn't, mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought I've done mm -hmm. this, I deserve mm -hmm. it. I really couldn't be punished enough. Right. Because nobody right. was saying, I love you so much. Nobody was yeah. saying, how are you doing, you know. Or the um, fact that did you even give, let you mention, as you mentioned, you were three weeks late. Did anyone ever come to you and say, well, you know, everything should be fine. You're just late. And I, I didn't get any of that. No, I don't know uh -uh. what you did. Okay. No. Okay. Uh -uh. Okay. okay. No. Yeah. Um, so the, the baby was finally born. Um, back then they gave you ether. So I was taken to the mm. delivery room. And I remember by that time I was just you know, so worn out and exhausted. And I, the pain, of course, you know, labors as it is. Right. Do you, so I mean, do you, do you remember the experience of your, of your child being born or were you out no, completely? No, because they gave me ether. You're completely out. Okay. Well, okay. I wasn't a hundred percent out. Okay. I was about 90% out. Okay. I, I, um, I could, I remember, um, this very weird, um, mental experience that I had because I could hear the monitor, the mm. heart monitor beeping and right. there was some okay. kind of, a, I had this comma in my mind that just kept going and going and going and repeating itself. And, okay. and uh, you know, when I woke up, I had that horrible ether taste and mm -hmm. mouth was Smell dry. probably, yeah. Oh yes, it was awful. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, things were banging around, they were cleaning up and and there was a surgery light above me and I was you know it was cold in there and mm -hmm. and uh, people were shouting at me wake up wake up it's time to go back to your room and and mm -hmm. uh, I said um, what 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 about the baby okay so no, no one cry. told you specifically you asked I asked okay okay and I said what about the baby and they said uh, you they said you had a healthy baby girl and I said a girl I had a girl and or no I think she said you didn't want to see her did you and I said oh I had a girl and um, she said well yeah did you want you didn't want to see her did you or did you and I had been told over and over and over mm -hmm. at Rosalia don't look at your baby mm -hmm. don't hold your baby mm -hmm. don't feed your baby mm -hmm. or you won't be able to give her up and so I said, I guess not. Right. So they, you know, took me back to my room, and, and I had, she weighed nine and a half pounds. Wow, okay. And I, I had, I think, as a nurse looking back, I think I had some significant birth injuries because okay. I had okay. a terrible time recovering. Okay, but, okay. Um, when I came home then, um, my mother... So it was back at your home with your mom and dad? Mm-hmm. Okay. When I left Rosalia, oh, when I was at Rosalia, the babies, oh, wait, let me back up. When I left the hospital, they um, had a cab for me, and I got into the taxi cab, and as I was ready to close the door, this nurse comes screaming at me, and she says, wait, 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 you have to take your baby. And I said, shocked, I said, no, 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 I can't, I can't hold my baby. And she said, what are you talking about? 
And I said, I, they told me, don't hold your baby and don't see your wow. baby. And um, she said, well, how is she supposed to get back to Rosalia? Of course you have to take your baby. And I said, I don't know, maybe could you bring her? <laughs> and oh she said, no, I can't bring her. <laughs> so all of that had not been arranged before? Uh-uh. She said, this is how we always do it. So, you know, the thing is that the girls at Rosalia were divided into um, pre and post. You know, okay. prenatal and postpartum. Okay. And never, never the twain should meet. You know, they, so this was the girls talking amongst themselves. Okay. So we didn't know what, nobody told us what the routine was, that wow. you would be holding your baby in the taxi. And so, so the first time you saw your daughter, when you're mm -hmm. in the taxi, headed right. back to the unwed mother's home. Mm -hmm. I was by myself in the okay. taxi, in the back seat, um, you know, and she had a blanket over her face. And uh, the taxi ride was maybe 10 minutes or, you know, something like that, mm -hmm. back to Rosalia. And I, I thought, I can't not look at her. Right. So I was going to ask again. you, what was your first when you lifted the blanket and saw your daughter? Oh. What was that feeling? Um, it was overwhelming, I, I know. Yeah, I, I felt... Um, it was almost like I was disconnected. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't allow myself... I think that... I didn't allow myself to um, to feel what mm -hmm. I did feel mm -hmm. way down deep mm -hmm. because I was so protected by all the voices. Yeah. Don't don't do it. You won't be able to give right. it up. Don't do it. Right. And, um, right. And I looked at her, and I, you know, back then there were no cell phone so I couldn't yeah. I wanted to have a picture of her mm. so I would never forget her mm -hmm. and I tried to mm -hmm. put her face in my mind and you did you did I know you did it, it becomes I say it becomes automatic because it's probably that feeling I'm speaking for myself it becomes very surreal this is not really really real yeah. but as you say we didn't have pictures but you know if yeah. those of you who listen to my story my, the face of my son was etched in my mind. It was. Yeah. It was yeah. etched. Etched, mm -hmm. etched, etched. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, when I went back to Rosalia, the, the postpartum unit was on a different floor from the nursery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were not allowed to see our babies. However, there were no guards or anything. You know, you could... You, you could go down if you... Well, back up. Now, so you took your baby back home to the home, but you weren't allowed to see them? So, I mean, like, what, what, right. what was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not funny, but I'm like, I'm emphasizing that... What do they expect you to do? They expect you to um, put it behind you and pretend it never happened. Like your child is down this, down this, out, down the hall or there, next there floor no, from you. There, there is no child. Right. There is no child, and it was, you know, it was like as if our babies had died. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no, there was no babies on the mm -hmm. postpartum unit. There was no, and it was very, it was kind of like a morgue. It was they kept mm. the lights dim. It was mm. very quiet. 
Um, I so did he have a system? When I say system, meaning you came back there, you weren't encouraged to see them. As you said, there weren't any guards. You could. So did they have a certain time that they already had arranged so that the parents would come in and take them? Or, I mean, what was that process? No, no, no. Um, I, uh, I, so I don't remember how many days I stayed there after she was born. It might have been like two or three days. Mm -hmm. And um, I found out where the nursery was and I went down there. And okay. I knew I wasn't supposed to, but I couldn't not do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I walked past the nursery window without looking in. <laughs> I went down to the end of the hall, and I turned around, and I walked real slow past mm -hmm. the window, and I stopped, and I looked in, and the babies were all facing in the opposite direction. So, you know, they all looked kind of the same, their little stocking caps on and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And and um, I, I couldn't tell who which one she was so I went I, down to the end and I tried to see their actual faces through uh -huh. the window and the nurse um, came toward me and I was like oh my god you know because I've been caught <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've been caught and, wow. and she um, pointed to her wrist so that I would show her my wristband uh -huh. and she looked at it and then she found my baby mm. and she turned her around and I saw her you know through the glass mm -hmm. and um, uh, then I you know I thanked the nurse and I went back to my room and I knew I shouldn't have done it um, I knew I was making trouble for myself that's how I felt and um, the next day I went again and this time, I didn't ask her to, mm -hmm. to show me the baby. I just, I, I stood there and watched, and I couldn't tell where she was. So I just mm -hmm. walked back to my room, and I lay down on my bed and cried. Right, um, right. And so as far as, I guess the, they didn't, they, nobody told me what would happen next to my baby. Mm -hmm. Only that she would be um, fostered. And um, and then adopted, and then I would go to court and sign the papers. But they would have a waiting period. Right. And I found out later that my baby stayed in the nursery at Rosalia for weeks, weeks wow. before she was taken to um, a foster home, and then um, she stayed at the foster home for months until mm. she was adopted. And all of that is shocking to me now. I mean, right. it's bad enough that you're taken from your mother, but uh -huh. now here you are a newborn and you're mm. with mm. people who are shift nurses. Mm. And then you go to somebody else who is strange, a foster parent, who knows what that situation was mm. like. Mm. And then when you're six months old, you go to another place with these people who are strangers right. who will then be your parents. And so you weren't told any of this when... No. So you left the, hospital, the, the, um, the home maybe after three or four days. How long did you stay there after you had given birth? Yeah, I can't remember that part. Okay. I don't, I don't okay. remember how long I stayed. You I probably were numb and in shock. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I can't mm -hmm. remember that part. Somebody asked me if I had postnatal care, and I said, you know, mm. I don't remember. I know that after two months, my mother said, because um, I was still bleeding, mm. and she said, you know, this is not normal. 
Now um, you're here. Said, <laughs> yeah, she said, if you, don't, if you don't stop bleeding within, you know, the next couple of days, I think maybe you should see a doctor. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know, you know, I go back to the whole thing of were we told, we weren't told anything at all, as if we're supposed to figure this out. And it's like, if you, this right. is no clue, you know, first right. time mom, and, and you've yeah. not been through this before. Right. I have no idea. So I have no idea. Yeah. So moving on, once you came out and you went home, did you go home to your mom and dad, or what? What did you? Yes, how did you I move did. forward from that? Yeah, I went home to my parents' house. Okay. And um, my mother never talked about the baby. She never talked about my um, horrible long labor mm -hmm. during which time I was alone. Did she um, know all what was transpiring because she you were not in a home with her then? Did she know that you had right. the forty hour labor and all of that? Yeah, she sent okay. my my cousin, Father Ed, she sent him in to see me to see why it was taking so long. Oh. And um he came in, you know, when I was in labor, he came in and and said, My mother sent or your mother sent me. Um she wondered uh, what's taking so long. And he said, are you okay? And I said, well, I'm still alive. Mm. <laughs> wow. And uh, he wow. said, I'll give you a blessing. And he gave me a blessing, and then he left. And, and, uh, yeah. Don't we have to just breathe through this, Catherine? Mm -hmm. All the things, just as you say for us, and you don't really know the shock or the surreal, you know, it's so surreal. But the reality uh, of what moms go through and. And you know, again, I'm always that, that adoptee advocate. What our children went through. You just mentioned yeah. your child is there yeah. with a yes. nurse shift or shift nurse and yes. um, number of days and weeks. That all has an effect. Yes. Oh, I mean, that's the true reality. Of it. it all has all has an effect. And absolutely. and I like to say to, to, to deal with the effect as best as we can for us to heal is recognize what happened. Yes. Recognize what happened and talk about mm -hmm. it. You know, you mm -hmm. started out when I introduced you about for as a number of years not dealing or not knowing what to say or whatever with what you've been through. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I find that's a common factor for a lot of birth moms. Yes. For a well, lot of birth I, moms. I, um, I reached a point, so I married right away, not, mm -hmm. not to the baby's father, but I found a guy who would marry me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I married as soon as I could and had two children, two beautiful girls, and um, love them, like, you know, unbelievably happy with them. And when my youngest was just, I think she was maybe five weeks old or so, she was mm -hmm. very new, and I was sitting in my living room in the rocker, having just fed the youngest, mm -hmm. um, and the, the other one, two years older than her, was on the floor playing with her blocks or something. And it was snowing outside and it was just so beautiful. Everything mm. was so beautiful. And I sat there just just exploding with love for these girls mm -hmm. and how lucky I am, et cetera, et cetera. And for some reason, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning mm. that I have another child. Mm -hmm. I had done such a good job of not, you know, from the time I went home and my mother saying, leave it behind you, don't talk about mm. it, just go forward. And I had done such a good job mm -hmm. of, of that, pushing right. it down and right. denying it, 
that I honestly did not think of that baby as mine mm. until that moment when wow. I loved my children so much. And, and that had been how long? That had been, so that was 1974, so five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. You didn't allow yourself to feel to even think mm -hmm. you had your mm -hmm. first daughter. Nope. I did a lot of drinking. Mm, okay. <laughs> a lot of drinking. Okay. And um, that day, I it, it, honestly, I can't put it into words how shocking it was to me and how devastating it was that I had another child who was 100% mine, the same as these mm -hmm. two girls in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I had, all that time I had thought of her as not mine, as belonging to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I realized that day, no, that child is mine. Right, right. And I, I, oh my gosh, I remember that day saying, I can't think about it. Because there, there's nothing I can do. It was a closed adoption mm -hmm. record sealed for 99 years. Mm -hmm. I thought, I can never think of her again or I'll go crazy. Mm. And um, I kind of did then go crazy. Mm. <laughs> and so I, I just, just as I had done before, I just pushed it down mm -hmm. and um, continued with my life. Right. You know, it becomes so I, a hole. It becomes actually a hole in our soul. Oh. It truly does. A hold oh, yeah. in our soul. Yeah. And um, when we come to the realization, hey, you know, I need to fill this hole up. And some do it through two different things, whether it's substance abuse or whatever, or just, just ignoring it. I mean, just, just plain ignoring it. And that is a disconnection from my mind, body Absolutely. experience. It's a complete disconnection. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will go through that. But um, moving on from that, that day when you recognize that, what was your next step? Um, so I said, I can never think about her again or I'll go crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I concentrated on, on that. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was always praying for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And um, it eventually got to the point where I didn't know what I was asking for forgiveness for. Mm -hmm. Because I, I had, again, disassociated mm -hmm. from, from her. Um, so I raised my girls. Um, my husband and I eventually parted ways because we were so sadly mismatched. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I heard you up. say you married as quickly as you could for someone yeah. who would have you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I was okay. damaged goods. I knew that. Okay. And, uh, okay. Nobody would want me. I knew that. Um, but I. Uh, so my. You girls, thought that. You thought. I thought that. that. Yes, thought I thought. That. That. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugly, fat, and stupid is how I thought of myself. Mm, wow. And, um, it, which I know now is not true. I wasn't mm -hmm. ugly, fat, and stupid, but that's how I truly thought of myself. And, and I was one of those people that said, I'm sorry for everything. You know, mm. I'm sorry. Uh, everything in the world is my fault. I'm sorry. But um, I, I went, I had a hysterectomy because I had and severe endometriosis. I was 37 years old, and um, after the hysterectomy, I, uh, I started to sink, and my girls were young teenagers then, and I, um, they were disconnecting from me like normal kids do, mm -hmm. and, um, 
one day I was getting ready for work. It was, uh, I worked the 3 to 11 shift. I was a nurse. And um, I went to my husband's closet and I took out his gun. Mm. And I... Mm. Was that the first I, time? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, uh, it wasn't that I wasn't happy with my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was, I just wanted to disappear. And, uh, I wasn't, I thought I wasn't angry. I just hated myself. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to never have been. And, um. Did you feel that you had the pain that wouldn't go away? I had a pain, but I didn't know what it was. Okay. I never thought about my daughter. I didn't. I wouldn't maybe maybe not consciously. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Of course, there was. <laughs> of course. You know, that that, you that unconscious things that really, uh, I, you know, I, one of my favorite readings is uh, the body keeps the score because our body yeah. will speak oh, yes, to us. That. It will speak to us. It will speak to us, and that's why I speak about. There's a difference between what you know consciously and unconscious. And we may not know why we're doing different things. Something led you to go in that closet and yeah. get that gun. Yeah, and not only that, but the hysterectomy I had. Mm -hmm. When the doctor took out my ovaries, mm -hmm. he said, um, he said normally, he said, your, your ovaries were a mess. Mm. Normally when I, when uh, normal ovaries have a, a, a firm capsule around them, mm -hmm. but when I took yours out, they just fell apart in my hand. Wow. Wow. And um, I didn't, I didn't process that at the time. Yeah. I just thought, huh, well, that's weird. Yeah. And and now, you know, looking back, I believe truly, because I've read about this, like the body keeps the score. Oh yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, and certain parts, certain organs in our body, really will will take that hurt and pain and all that that'll affect yep. us physically, that will exactly. cause disease, disease exactly. from our body. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, but but you know, moving all, forward, Catherine, let's just see yes. now. Any reunion with your daughter? What's the status now? Um. So it wasn't until after I retired that okay. I that all of this started to come up. Okay. And uh, I I was having a terrible time, symptoms of PTSD, etc. Mm -hmm. And I connected with a, a specialist in PTSD and. I honestly did not know what was wrong with me. Mm. And she, when I first sat down with her, I said, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know mm -hmm. what to talk about. Mm. And she said, well, just tell me about yourself. And the first words out of my mouth were, well, I had a baby when I was 19. Hello. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. I uh, wasn't yeah. married and I had to give her up. And then I said, but that's all over with. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't, need to, I don't need to talk about that. I and know. then I went on about my, my dad, my parents. Mm. And mm. I went on for a year. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I know, you know, what you just described, because I've heard people who have conversations and be in therapy for years or month by month and don't bring up the fact they're birth mom or they adopted until it's like, well, what now? Now what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All this exactly. time now, you now mentioning this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You didn't think this had an effect? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yep. And she helped me uncover it, and yeah. she's the one who suggested that I search for my daughter. Okay. And this was in 2015. Okay. Uh, or was it 16? I'm losing track. 
And um, I, I was shocked when she said that because I had accepted that the records were sealed and that was that. There was no way for me to find her. Mm -hmm. But come to find out, the rules, the laws have changed mm -hmm. and you can um, hire a search agent, which mm -hmm. I did. And, and I found her through the search agent and Catholic Charities. Okay. Um, living on the other side of the country. And I was just over the moon. I yeah. was just so, oh my gosh, so yeah. excited and, yeah. and happy. And unfortunately, um, uh, well, fortunately, we did um, email. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we then went to texting and then nothing. And so okay. it's, I think we emailed and texted for about a year. And then little by little, she um, withdrew. And mm -hmm. I wanted so much to meet her. I yeah. offered to fly to her city and um, just, uh, you know, have her come to the airport and we could have lunch together and then I'd mm -hmm. get on a plane and go back home. And this right. was across the country. This is right, right. From I know. coast to coast. Right. And um, she said, no. She said, what, what do you think you're going to gain by doing that? Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll be able to look into your eyes and I'll be able to hug you if you'll let me. Mm -hmm. And um, she couldn't, she, I think her parents, her parents' attitudes were defensive. Mm -hmm. um, they did not uh, feel comfortable with her yeah. knowing me. Yeah. And she has a tremendous loyalty right. to them. I think a lot of adoptees, I, I would say every adoptee will have loyalty to a certain point. Mm -hmm. I totally believe that. Which is expected, quite frankly. Yeah, you think about rightly force, so. Rightly yeah. so. That's who yeah. raised them. That's, That's who right. raised them, who they saw with mm -hmm. that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But the fact of what you're, you're saying, and, and I don't tell people what they need to do. I, I just spell, uh, stand with, when you said, and this is a commonality too, I wanted, just wanted to see a picture of my child. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, unfortunately, maybe that's all somebody will get, um, whether they get to meet them in person or chat with them, text or whatever. The fact that the reconnection happens, mm -hmm. whatever period of time it may be, because she's now how old? How old is your oh daughter now? She's 53. Okay. And and just like what you just said, just not just reminding you, but just saying to the listeners, for the fact that you yourself and dealing with and stuffing and whatever as most first moms will, adoptees do the same. It is just as hard for them as it is for moms. Mm -hmm. Because that whole, I don't say the system, but for the fact of being apart from who you're part of, that you you were you were three extra weeks, so she was, you grew her three extra weeks. I know she didn't want to let go. We didn't want to let and, go. And that's her. one that's one way to look at it too. Is like oh yeah. she wasn't ready to come out, but yet yeah, right. still for that period yeah. of time, it's just that that I and I say this to my to my child, my son, that birth bond bond birth bond is never broken. And that when I say bond is still there, whether you're seeing each other, whether you know each other, whether you're talking to each other, that bond. Is there and no one can do nothing about it. Right. No one can do anything about it. So, right. so, so winding up, I know we talked about for hot topics. What would be uh, something you want listeners to, to to take from this with your story? Um, I I can only speak to first mothers. Mm -hmm. um, I you know I uh, 
I would like to speak to adoptees also, but I, I don't have that um, knowledge to, mm -hmm. to give. But say they have their own perspective. We cannot see it or, from their yeah. thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I wish for first mothers that they could forgive themselves. Good, yes, um, yes. I wish that uh, they they can love themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of us have that hole in us, like yes. you described. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us um, are, are uh, mourning that to the point where we're not living our lives. Yes, yes. And, uh, and you know, we all we have is right here, right now. That's yes. one of my favorite sayings. Yes. And, and you need to choose life choose life choose life choose choose life yes and, yes uh, and if your child doesn't want you to be in their life mm -hmm. at least for my part mm -hmm. i have to respect that yeah she owes me nothing right i gave her up right and, uh, and i'm not saying that um anything else other than that she owes mm -hmm. me nothing mm -hmm. um and i i I'm grateful to her adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. um, they did a, a great job for her. Um, but I, I respect the fact that she doesn't mm -hmm. want to be in my life. Mm -hmm. And you have to know your boundaries. You have yeah. to realize, you know, in my case, she's an adult. Mm -hmm. She um, can make her own decisions. Mm -hmm. And I can't change what she wants. Right. And I, right. I, just like she didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. When she was given away, uh, I want her to have a choice now. Right, I'm and so I'm so glad you're you're there, Catherine. And I say there, meaning recognizing for as our adult children, mm -hmm. they. That's why I go with that for his adoptees decisions. That they were pre-verbal. <laughs> I sort of say it jokingly, and it's not jokingly. Is if I were to write a cartoon, it's like our children are coming out of, and it's like. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. And that whole yeah. thing, plus the fact that the child is taken, well, they've got to deal with it. And I, and one thing I say, adoptees are strong. Because number one of dealing with being put into a place that they didn't know nine months. Well, they knew us. They knew us. And they felt us or whatever. But along with of recognizing the boundaries that still allows you, as you say, to live your life and still hold on. I, I held on for 45 years, mm. knowing, trusting, trusting that I will get something from my child to know where he is, that he's safe, or even if he's deceased. But to know, just to know, that knowing yeah. is, is a, was a peace for me. Mm -hmm. And whatever, how reunion, a reunion itself is, that's a journey. That's a roller coaster. Oh, it sure is. It's a roller coaster. It varies from top person to person. But along with it, you know, I agree with you. That's why I encourage when you're saying to, to moms to forgive themselves, love themselves. And I say, do your work. Do your work because you have to do your own work to come to believe to be, I, I, I put it this way, I'm doing my very best work to be the very best person I can be. If I'm the very mm -hmm. best person I am, I'm the very best mom I can be to my son in any way, wish away. And that's what we are focused with. Not to forgive ourselves because if we don't, we're going to hold in that bitterness ourselves. It's, it's not a forgiveness. It's not for the other person. It's for us. Right. Right. It is for us. And when you get that forgiveness, 
you will have a peace of mind and understanding in the midst of chaos, Mm -hmm. in the midst of chaos. Mm -hmm. And that itself of that taking care of yourself. I went belly dancing Saturday. (laughs) It was so much fun. It's been years since I had done any kind of class or whatever. But that's part of for is my own healing. I said grace and healing is just looking at and you journaling, you know, do your therapy, do your support groups. It's like all of that. So I have that true wraparound services. This podcast is healing for me. Every time I talk to another birth mom, that's mm-hmm. a one hour of healing while we're chatting yeah. on this podcast. Then other birth moms listening in, they, I even had some, uh, some birth, uh, one birth mom write me and said she listens to the podcast episodes. She mm-hmm. makes notes and then she goes to her therapist and do talk therapy with Aww. her. <laughs> so, but she's that. working on herself. She's working mm-hmm. on herself, which I commend. Mm-hmm. I commend. This has been so wonderful, Catherine. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. You're welcome. Because every story needs to be told. Every story needs to be told. Every story. We all have one. Yes, we do. Every one of us first mothers. Yes, we do. There's a common thread, and that is loss of your child. That is it. That is it. And that's that grief. That's a disenfranchised grief that we all Mm -hmm. have to deal with. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get people always recognizing that is a trauma and a chaos we've been through. But we've got to recognize it ourselves and really Mm -hmm. work towards grace and healing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So you've been listening to Birth Moms Real Talk. I'm D. Yvonne Rivers, your host. Thank you for listening in on our Facebook page, our Instagram page. Reach out to us. Let us know your story. Go to our website, www.birthmomsrealtalk.com, and you can submit your story, and I may be giving you a call to have a chat, and you can have an episode. We're starting our new season in October 1. We've got new episodes coming along, but we have our Facebook page, so join our Facebook page. We have Birth Moms Real Talk Village with a group of birth moms. And Catherine, I think you're on with us, right? I think I am. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting some dates. We'll have a private Zoom and private Facebook because we're all in this together. That's why we can help each other. So that's the purpose of the village itself. So we'll see you next time. Thank you, Yvonne. You're welcome. You have been listening in to Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast, a platform where birth moms and natural moms share their stories, their journeys. If you are a birth or natural mom and wish to share your story, please go to our website at www.birthmomsrealtalk.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Moms Real Talk. Join our private Birth Moms Real Talk Village, a private Facebook and a monthly Zoom, a welcome package with a journal and book readings. Support us through Patreon, on our website, or PayPal. We are the place of grace and healing. See you next time.